0: Romans chapter 1. Two verses here tonight. I don't think we'll be uh, average time, maybe just a bit under average time. I don't expect this to be uh, long. But verse 21 and 22. We've, we've, we covered last week, coming down from verse 18, 19, and 20. And then this builds on, as you can tell by the starting off with the word because. <clears throat> it says, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly do love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I ask your blessing now upon this time, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would control what I say and how I say it. I pray your spirit would have, that, uh, have its way and be able to work on our hearts and draw us closer to you. Lord, teach us your word tonight. Use it to strengthen us. Meet the needs that are here. And Lord, please, I pray, Lord, that uh, we would leave here different than when we came in. And I pray for your help and your guidance in this, and Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray for that conviction, for that drawing, and that even this evening, that they would repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. As we started looking at really going back a couple of weeks in the book of Romans, the Bible really does paint a pretty frightful picture when it comes to God's wrath. I was reading today, I don't have it in here which ones they were, but in preparing for this message I came across something I was not aware of. There's a group putting a, a hymnal together back in the 50s or 60s or so based on psalms. But they left off, if I remember right, remember I just read it quickly. I believe it had said they left off 86 of the psalms because they felt they were just too, too much wrath, if you will. Um, but nonetheless, that was a song. Those were songs that were actually sung. We saw last week how God's wrath is, of course, in both the Old and the New Testament. It's just not that God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath. The New Testament speaks of it throughout as well. I I think the verse that came to mind as I was preparing today, how the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I think of verses like Isaiah chapter 13 and verse 9, which says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. That, that's pretty strong language right there for what is coming. And when wrath does hit, how fierce it is. We can see in our own land, our own country, we we're, we're certainly have a time right now of God's mercy and grace when we see all that is taking place around us, but that will only go so long Unless repentance takes place, and then wrath will hit. We know from the Bible, not only is God holy, and God just, and God loved, but He's a God of wrath when it is necessary. Many actually try and deny the ultimate side of wrath, of that being hell. They try to get around it. It's just a difficult thought. You can even pull it up probably on YouTube and watch it, but several years before Billy Graham had died he went to be with the Lord, He too joined that crowd and denied the actual existence of hell. Just not being able to see how that could actually be real. It's uncomfortable when we begin to think of God's wrath, but it certainly is true. Hell is a very real place. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. The Bible speaks of it. Jesus spoke to the validity of it. It is a very real place. False doctrines that come into existence to try and get our minds to, to, to grasp what we read about in the Bible, to try and try and downplay it or even deny it. Doctrines like soul sleep. Soul sleep is just another form of really denying the existence of hell. It it is simply saying that the, the wicked will not be punished, they'll simply cease to exist. Or another popular doctrine in our day is what we call the doctrine of universalism, universal salvation, that God will save everyone eventually. Again, it's just the human mind trying to get around the reality of the wrath of God and instead of seeing it for how the Bible teaches it, which should drive us to see how unholy and how wicked our sin is because we tend to minimize sin. We have a sin nature. It's around us all the time. But boy, if we could just see it as God sees it. We looked at Uh, Last week, again, what brings God's wrath, we looked at the objective and the origin of God's wrath, and we saw it was man's ungodliness. Man turning from God that leads to God's wrath, and it all started when men had held... Truth and unrighteousness. When it meant by hell, it didn't mean they're holding on to truth like we might think. The word meant to resist. I mean, like holding back, if you will. They knew God existed. It was proclaimed in creation. His, the Godhead, the fact that there is a God, and that this God is incredibly powerful. But they held that knowledge back. They didn't like to retain it. They, they didn't want to think about that. They wanted to follow their own lust and their own desire. So that's what it's referring to when it talks about them. Um, The men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, they restrained it, even though they had the clear evidence of a creator. This leads to man, as we concluded last week, to man being without excuse, and I made that case last week. There will not be one person who will stand before God and have an excuse of saying, I didn't know. So what led man to holding truth and unrighteousness, to making the decision, I can see through creation that there is an all-powerful God, but he decides to resist that. This is the question that our text answers today. It starts with that because it's showing how this happened. It also shows something that we can truly see right now, the day we are living in, the downward progression of mankind once he decides to hold truth in unrighteousness. It's also a reminder for us Christians that you are accountable before God for the truth you have been given. You are. Remember what Christ said about Capernaum when we went through the Gospel of Matthew, how in the day of judgment, it's going to be far better for Sodom and Gomorrah than Capernaum. One of that was based on the knowledge they had, the truth that was given, the amount of light they had. But when men hold truth and unrighteousness, it leads to a downward spiral, and that's what we're going to see here today. I have all of these as, as, a, as a D right now, and I'll give them to you quickly, then we'll go over them. Number one, they deny God's glory. Number two, disregard God's provision. Number three, they have diluted thought. Number four, darkness. And number five, they are deceived. So let's get into this. Verse number 21. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. So the because is there, in response to the statement back up in, in, in verse number 18, who hold the truth and unrighteousness, it's making the case for 18 and 19 and 20 why all this came to pass. And it said, "Here's what took place, because that when they knew God, as it made the case going back in, in verse 18 and 19 and 20, they glorified Him not as God. I mean, every man sees God in creation. That is completely undeniable. Not only is God in creation, but as I brought up last week, there's also that inward, almost consciousness, that inward knowing that God is there. We see that truth of that given in John chapter 1 and verse 9, which says this was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But as a result of resisting this truth, of not holding truth, or, or excuse me, holding the truth in unrighteousness, Holding it back, man refuses first to glorify God as God. One commentator said this, and I liked it. He referred to this, that, let me just quote him. This is the crime of all crimes. The worst deed ever committed in the universe is to fail to give God glory. Above everything, God is to be glorified. We know this from Scripture, that man's chief end is to glorify God. We can think of verses like in 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one: "That whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God in everything. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. When we went through the book of, uh, of Revelation, you, there's chapters in Psalms, Psalm 148. I mean, throughout the word of God, life is about glorifying God as God. To glorify him is to honor him, to acknowledge his attributes. To see him for his perfection. This is our purpose, but man has rejected the knowledge of God and chose to live for self. The word of God, let me, let me cover these very quickly. It's sort of a, a sub point to this message, but I thought I should give it out. And how scripturally we glorify God. I mean, today if, if, you're, if you follow any of that the charismatic movement, the nonsense of how they think you glorify God, it, it's it's none of that. Scripturally, number one, it starts with salvation. We know that, first John, different places. One, you have to be saved. Alright? It all starts there at the moment of conversion, the time of conversion. But after that. We know in 1 Corinthians 10.31, I've already referred to, we glorify, we glorify God by living for Him, by living for His glory. That whatever we're doing, whether it's small or big, that our motive behind it is God. That we see Him for how great and how grand He is. When we talked last week about creation and how spectacular the universe is, how amazing creation is, it should drive us to want to glorify Him, just to think of His power. I mean, right now, because we do walk by faith, but just think how that's going to change the moment that we step into His presence. That awe, that incredibleness that we're just going to get a sense of. Remember how we went through the book of Revelation and several times the Bible brought us into the throne room and how incredible that's going to be. Life is about glorifying God. We see in Joshua, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but in Joshua chapter 7, Uh, getting around 19 and 20, you have the sin of Achan. And there's something interesting here that takes place. And and he brought up that in order to glorify God, nobody told him, you better confess your sin. Confess your sin is a means of glorifying God. It's admitting you're wrong, that God is right, that He is pure, and you've broken His law. It's acknowledging who He is and who you are. And so it's another way we glorify God as we humbly come before Him, confessing our sin before Him. We see in Romans chapter 4, I'll turn there since that's just a few pages over. Look at this one. This principle is throughout the Bible. We'll just look at at Romans chapter 4. Verse number 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Of course, the speaking of Abraham and all that took place with him. But it gives us another way in which God is glorified. When we trust Him, when we are walking by faith, when we are obedient in faith, that's a means of us glorifying God with our life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go ahead and turn there. It's true of all of us and young people, I want you to see this. Verses 18 and 19. There is another way, according to the Bible, that we glorify God with our life. Remember, this is the chief aim of man. This is how we're going to do this. This is how it's done. By making your purpose in life about God. Living to glorify Him. Not for self, not for pride, but recognizing we have been created by God for Him. It's true of all of us. It's confessing our sin. It's trusting in Him. And then look at these verses here. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 6. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Look at the next verse, though. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Another way you glorify God is by purity. Young people, determine you will glorify God by remaining pure. By staying right. That's a way to glorify God with your life. And life is about Him. Don't make it about self. Stay focused on Him. You find somebody that wants to glorify God like you do. This is our purpose. This is our aim. But as we see in our text, men chose to reject this knowledge and chose to live for self. It's all the attributes of God that make up his glory. We see that in scripture. Man is to recognize that. I mean, the created world does that, does it not? It says the heavens declare the glory of God. They do. I mean, you can think even the obedience of creation within the animals. From from a flower that's just simply opening up, declaring the glory of God. From the caterpillar that changes into a butterfly. From the cow that provides milk. I mean, you can see it all over the place. The one item of creation that has chosen to deny the existence of that creator and simply live for self is mankind. But there's so much that we see. In Alaska, we get to see the beauty of an eagle flying through the air, how majestic that is. When, when we were on a supply run once, I don't know if Levi remembers this. You might have been too young for this, I don't know. But we are heading over to Kokopo, and we are getting by, there's a tiny little dots of islands in between New Britain and New, I- I- New, Britain and New Ireland. We are going from New Ireland to New Britain, Little islands called Duke, York. We were coming up on those islands, and the water is just clear blue. And the boat operator stopped to take a break. And just amazing what took place next. So we're stopped. We're just sitting there in the boat. And dolphins would come up often. But this is the only time I've ever seen this take place. One of the dolphins decided to put on a show. I'm sitting there with my family. He comes flying up clean out of the water, flipping like at SeaWorld, going back in. And just playing up above the water, just showing off for us sitting in the boat. Know what that showed as we sat there and watched? The glory of creation. Just the awe of God. If you can look at all the glory of creation, see the beauty, the art, the love, the perfection, the power, and you say you don't believe in God, you are a fool. Since you deny God, seeing God's glory in creation, I should say really refuse to give God glory. You are in a horrible downward trajectory and a fool. You're not just any fool, though. Listen to me. You're the biggest fool possible. How anyone can conclude when looking at creation, there is no God. Listen, you are a fool and you've been blinded. And just the fact that because you resisted that knowledge, it starts right there because that changes why you live. The moment you make that decision, I reject that knowledge, it changes why you live. And you've now put yourself in a place where you will never glorify God unless that changes. Never. It's not possible. So that's going to lead to other, uh, uh, other fruit being produced in your life, which is what this text lays out. Notice what comes next when that happens. Once they make the decision not to glorify God as God in their life, they become unthankful. Back in Romans chapter 1. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Because man refused to glorify God in creation, he will not see all that he has is from God and humbly thank Him. He's not about to glorify God as God. Therefore, in his mind, there's nothing to be thankful God for. I remember as late in my teen years, there was a wicked show that that had come out. And uh, I've never seen one episode, but this scene of the episode made the news. It's called The Simpsons. And in there, apparently, I can't remember all the wording exactly, but I remember seeing it on the news because today this would not make an uproar at all. But it did then. Because in the scene, what the writers put in was a scene like this. Apparently the dad of it had said to pray and thank God. And the son spoke up and said, we don't need to thank him. He didn't provide any of this. When man chooses not to glorify God as God, they will no longer be thankful. They will not see it's God that is sending the rain. And be thankful. They will not see that's God and sending the sunshine and be thankful. They will not see God that's giving them the ability to work, the strength they have and be thankful. They will not see it's God has given uh, uh, the ability to reason and to think. They will not see God at all in the provision of their life and they will be unthankful. And we, we learned in 1 Thessalonians how dangerous that is. I mean, it's one of the things listed that is the will of God for our life, that, we, that in everything we give thanks. How, an added, how ingratitude can come into your life. What it ends up leading to. And we looked at it there. We looked at these things. I'm just going to briefly touch them. It leads to, of course, an unbelief. Selfishness, which is what we're going to see all this is driving to. Man about self. When you're not thankful, not only will you be selfish, but you're going to be critical. Cause you don't have that. You don't have that thankful attitude about your life. There is no gratitude. It's easy for rebellion to set in. You see, being ungrateful affects your heart and it affects your countenance. So as man makes the decision to resist, not to hold the truth of God in or in unrighteousness, that they're not going to respond to, there's no way they can glorify God, there's no way they can thank God, and again, I'm not going to preach that here, but you're on such a horrible path when you have ingratitude in your heart. Luke 17 comes to mind when Christ healed the ten lepers, and just one returned to glorify Him as God. That was it. One. Next, we see, after they deny God's glory, then they have a disregard for God's provision. They're unthankful. Thirdly, they're diluted. They become vain in their imaginations. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Imagination, the word here means thoughts, reasoning, speculation. Interesting, the word is, it really is. The phrase become vain here, became vain here means to be uh, self-conceited, seek praise, meaning, uh, applying here, this is from one of the dictionaries, becoming foolish, frivolous in thoughts and in reasons. Thoughts are empty. Thoughts now are empty because they come about self, conceit. If man's not looking at God, guess what man's going to look to? Himself. That's what takes place. Now, they've denied, they, they've resisted the truth. They deny, uh, uh, they will not give God uh, glory uh, for being God. That leads to unthankfulness. And now, that that, now, of course, it affects their thought life. What they dwell upon, it becomes empty, it becomes prideful. His thoughts no longer have the right foundation from which to think and make decisions in this life. Everything becomes self-centered. That's why these thoughts are vain and empty. It's here you see man begin to turn to self and humanism. As man denies God, he will then lift up self. In Genesis chapter 6, when... The world was so corrupt and so horrible that the world had to destroy the world that was. One of the things, one of the charges that laid against him was about the men of renown. Men lifting up other men. Kind of like when the Renaissance was taking place in Europe at the exact same time the Reformation was. How in the Renaissance that that was uh, uh, very different than the Reformation was taking place. That was men turning to men for the answer. Biographies were being written now. Self-portraits were being painted. Man was uplifting man because that was a decision that Renaissance, that turned to humanism, was a a decision in, in universities, in colleges, simply to turn from a Creator and look to the answers in man alone. When man's thoughts become diluted, when they become vain in their imagination, what this now changes is the very purpose of their life. Now, what they are living for becomes vanity. It's the next step downward. He has denied truth, so now he is living for something that is untrue. He's living for money, for pleasure, for a career, for a name. And he thinks that's where the answer is going to be, but his problem is the very foundation of his thinking is based on something that's not true. They made the decision to deny truth. This is why you see people who arrive and all of a sudden the world crumbles because they realize, wait, this isn't it. You've lived for something that isn't true. Man finds out that all of that is vain. As he lives for pleasure, career, this even happens. We have to be be careful of this in our sense. We can never get to this level that it's referring to. We are a Christian cannot. But you have to be careful. You still have a sinful flesh. You can be so involved in ministry, you forget about the God of the ministry. That it becomes about that. Which is just another form of it about you. And not about God. Look what happens next. Man refuses to give God glory as God. Unthankfulness, which remember, the sin of that is maybe I probably I'm right now I'm thinking I should have spent more time on that, just to reiterate the sin of ingratitude and how powerful and destructive it is in a life. The unthankfulness comes in. I mean, there's no one to thank. They've denied God. Their thoughts get diluted. Their thoughts are now affected. The imaginations, what they speculate on now. That's all they have, by the way. Isn't that neat, the, the meaning of that word? Because they have no truth. Everything is now speculation. Because nothing's based on truth now. Now look at the next step. That is darkness. And their foolish heart was darkened now it affects the culture. It continues to get worse. Man is no longer operating from truth, so now it goes to the next step, downward, and that is darkness. His foolish heart is darkened. When man rejects truth, darkness comes in, and you begin to see a society and a culture break down. The word heart here refers to a place where the issues of life come out. It refers to our understanding, as as you can see in verses like Mark chapter 2 and verse 6. That's important. That means their understanding, so when they take in knowledge, their understanding is going to be flawed. A darkened heart is the result of rejecting truth. Their ability to understand properly is taken away. They're left in trying to determine what they see and and, and looking at the knowledge and even looking at creation they see and just looking at it through man's sinful eye without going to the creator. But now with a darkened heart, it affects decisions and how man lives. Darkness in the Bible is made evident in two ways, intellectually and morally. Man has given up his understanding because of his rejection of truth. This is why, in all cultures, throughout the history of the world, world philosophy has so been so horrible, filled with immorality, because it, it's coming from a position, when man turns to philosophy from a darkened heart. And trying to look at creation, the universe, and assess some type of meaning, you can't do it when you start with a false presupposition. It's a darkened heart trying to grasp this. It's not possible. People, we see what takes place in our own culture. Now, we can see this progression in our own nation. Everything I've laid out to where we're at today. To how the darkened heart, when it's trying to understand life, comes to the conclusions like this. It's fine if a man marries another man. The heart is darkened. That's why they believe it so passionately. They they don't have the, the capacity, the Bible speaking, to understand what they're saying. They don't have a foundation of truth. Or that a man can all of a sudden believe he's a woman. I mean, really, it's shocking the day we live in right now. Believe that there's multitudes of genders, not just male and female, which is what's right. Listen. If you've been deceived in believing the nonsense of our day, listen. It's just complete deception. There is male and there is female. You are believing an ideology that is wicked and wrong. The results of mankind that is turned from the Creator, that is confused in his understanding. We can see the progression. Man resisted truth, therefore refused to glorify God as God, immediately becoming unthankful. His thought life is then affected, vain in their imaginations, resulting in a darkened heart, which brings us to the last stage, self-deception. Look at verse 21, or 22, excuse me. Professing themselves to be wise, they became Fools. Notice this is what they begin to do. They will begin to rationalize their decisions. They begin to think that all of a sudden, look how wise we are. Look how far we've come. Look at the progress we've made. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I mean, we're seeing it right in our day. They cannot perceive truth; therefore, they understand this. If you cannot perceive truth, you can't perceive error. Right. Levi, show the picture. Look at this photo. I'm not doing this show in this photo to be me. This is the day we live in. Though. This is just an example of what I'm talking about. If this, th- th- we did have trouble with the projector. We'll see if it's going to work or not. Look at that. These are two men. ...hired by the President of the United States. Not one has since been arrested of these two men. Two men. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Understand, in our culture right now, because of the progression of turning from God... ...the heart is now darkened and it's affecting the culture... ...and they justify themselves. They rationalize. They believe they are the wise ones. We are the one who's made progress. Yet when you start from truth, you can just look at that and see it's an abomination. It's clear. But when your foolish heart is so darkened, you can see that, you can profess yourself to be wise. You can rationalize your decisions. And that's what we're seeing take that's good, taking place in our country. They think we are the foolish ones. No, they need to return to truth. They, I, I mean, think of the decisions that are even being made right now in our culture because of darkened hearts. Right now, children without parents' permission in different states can get surgery to change their bodies, to mutilate themselves without parental permission. That is, with, that is such evidence of a darkened heart. Multitude of states, and I think Alaska is one of them. Somebody can correct me after if I'm wrong on this. Multitude of states in the United States, you can go a full nine months. If you want to have an abortion, have an abortion at any time. You need no medical reason in several states. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. What happened? Mankind was making a choice. You can go back, especially in the 50s and 60s. Actually, we can go back to the 20s for some of this, to be honest. You can, you, you can begin to see the rejection in the 20s, even within churches as modernism came in, and there was a compromise with the Word of God when it came to the miracles. That affected the rest of the nation. Make no mistake about it, it did. That was taking place in the United States of America going back to the 1920s. It already affected Europe going back to the 19th century. It came to America a couple of decades later. Key Even Baptist universities began denying key miracles. The culture began to get affected. There was a turning from the knowledge of God. Evolution was getting a foothold. Evolution. How foolish. See, I mean, how incredibly foolish what happened? Man was rejecting the Creator. No longer holding, the the truth they were holding now was in unrighteousness. The truth of God, mm -mm. they didn't want it. They began to look to themselves. Their thoughts were diluted. Now they're on to speculation because they're no longer based in truth. They became vain in their imagination. The heart was darkened. And they come to these conclusions, professing themselves to be wise. And yet, it's clear as day, they are fools. They need to return to truth. One thing that is sad as this has transpired within Christians, is they have compromised with many of the vain imaginations at the results of them. For instance, when all of a sudden man came out with the, the, the debate over the age of the earth... Now, but they still should have distrusted the word of God before we knew more science. There wasn't much science like I have today in looking at how the proof of a young earth. But nonetheless, they still should have stayed simply with the word of God. But many false doctrines came about. All of a sudden, theistic theistic evolution came about. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's like they were blind to the fact that this is coming. this, This philosophy of evolution is coming from a darkened heart. We don't need to compromise with that one bit. God did not need evolution. Man is trying to grasp and understanding and pretending there is no God. He's not operating from truth. There is no way he will come to a right conclusion. And then Christians said, theistic evolution. No, all kinds of things from gap theory, just uh, all kinds of stuff popping up. Martin Lloyd-Jones, jo- of course he's with the Lord if you know who he is, he said this, The whole drift toward modernism that has blighted the church of God and nearly destroyed its living gospel may be traced to an hour when men began to turn from revelation to philosophy. When all of a sudden they looked to man's words instead of God's word. Oh, let's listen to what Darwin has to say. The truth is, as the Bible tells us here, they are fools. In conclusion, man is not progressing. But as is the case in every culture that has turned from God, it's regressing. Man is not evolutionary. Man is going backwards. We have looked at the sad steps to once man decides to hold the truth in unrighteousness what begins to unfold if they will not turn back to truth? It starts with the greatest of crimes, as the one commentator said. In no longer glorifying God as God. When you begin to do that, just like in this case, everything else begins to fall in place. When you begin to live to that end, We live in a world that has changed drastically. The answer, though, was Paul's point is Bobby, don't, don't forget Paul's point. The answer to that was what? The gospel. The gospel.